months, almost 15,000 miles and seven national parks later. It's the last week of our epic road trip. Despite falling in love with Boulder, Colorado, my husband and I have decided to go back to New York for the time being. Honestly, I'm ready to have our own apartment again and make it extra cozy for winter. On the plus side, we are kicking off our final week in one of my favorite American cities, New Orleans, and I've already gorged on overly sugary beignets. My guest this week, Remy Rosenberg, is from another great party town. He's a born and bred Las Vegan who grew up around the hospitality industry. Remy's mother worked at the Bellagio from the time he was born, and Remy eventually followed in her footsteps, steadily working his way up from pool lifeguard to his current role, director of hotel operations at Park MGM and Nomad Las Vegas. In today's episode, Remy shares a story that helped shape his ethos as a leader in the hospitality industry, a road trip through the UK and Ireland planned by his wife's grandfather. I say planned, but grandpa's preferred way of traveling was mostly to wing it. Rock up to a new village, stop into a pub for a pint with the locals and ask around for places to stay that night. For Remy, it was a lesson in the joys of serendipity and a reminder that the ultimate hospitality is kindness from strangers. This was also the trip when Remy got down on one knee and asked his partner to marry him in a Scottish castle, naturally. This episode is sponsored by Park MGM, the Las Vegas resort with a fresh approach to entertainment, dining, and style. Visit parkmgm.com to discover more. I'm interested to hear from your perspective how the pandemic has been. It's been interesting, right? So, you know, for Vegas, you know, I, I got the opportunity to reopen Bellagio, one of the first hotels to reopen from the pandemic. And, you know, we got to remember and look back in the time, at least for Vegas and for us uh, in, in our state, in Nevada, is we weren't requiring masks at that time. So we opened the hotel from a pandemic with no masks on and we put, you know, the plexiglass up and, the, you know, our, we made sure our teams are safe and, we really implemented some strong um, operational changes for us, for us to be able to be safe and make, you know, from my perspective, from a hotel perspective, is that check-in experience, you know, the passing back and forth with credit cards and IDs, trying to make that experience a little bit different and really motivating the, the mobile experience has been kind of a big uh, push for us, which is which is adapted really well. I mean, you go to a restaurant now and you have um, QR codes and things like that everywhere you go and people understand that. So things like that, which is a perfect example. But long story short, we got to a point where the masks went on and then, you know, business was booming and did really well in the summer months of of uh, 2020. And then even in the winter months, we still did well because we were starting to slowly open things up. Uh, and then really the big thing is the masks came off right? The mask came off, guests were able to come through the hotels and not have to worry about it. And then obviously for our, our city and our state, the, the masks are back on now. So that's kind of um, the bigger play in it all is, is really adapting to the overall safety procedures and concerns, not just for the guests, but for our staff. So, um, you know, really just the growth and the change and really just being prepared for anything that's thrown at you. And the biggest the biggest piece for us is, you know, is, is the change is the only constants, right? It's the only thing that's going to keep continuing and we mm -hmm. just have to be ready for what comes in front of us. So 
Well, it's great that, you know, tourism is booming again. I feel like after such a stagnant, frustrating year or two years now, (laughs) um, (laughs) it's like the Vegas is the perfect place to really go and like let loose and, and go wild. I'm really intrigued by the fact that you were born and raised in Vegas. I don't think I've ever met anybody who was. What was that like yeah. for you? Uh, it's It's been good. It, it really, uh, you know, it's treated me well. It's treated my family well. You know, my, my parents are both in the food and beverage industry. And, um, you know, it, it really got me intrigued to kind of join the same thing. The only thing that I would say for anyone that's interested about living in Vegas and the, the question that always comes up is just being prepared for the heat, right? We have really hot summers. Um, But, you know, there's other cities and states that are kind of the same way, you know, like Arizona, they have some hot summers as well with us. It's a little, really the dry heat is what people need to be prepared for in Las Vegas. But outside of that, it's been, you know, it's been great. I've always, I've always loved Las Vegas. There's so much to do here in this small little town. And, um, you know, there's really the opportunities what's kept us here, right? My, my entire career has, has been you know, in MGM Resorts. I, I started there when I was 16 years old and been there for a little over 15 years now. So it's been, it's been great. But even, uh, you know, for, from a family perspective, you know, my mom was um, a day one employee at the Bellagio, which got me interested to work at the Bellagio when I was able to get my first job and, and so on and so forth. That's, that's where we are today is, is working, kind of working through that. And um, really the opportunity has kept us, kept us here. And, you know, the good weather besides, besides the, the couple hot months in the summer, it's been, it's been a, a lot of fun being here in Vegas. Yeah. I mean, as long as you have a pool nearby, right, <laughs> you'll be fine with the weather. And was that your first job? You were working at the pool as a lifeguard? Yeah, I was, uh, I started off as a pool attendant and then I worked my way into being a lifeguard. It was actually kind of funny. I I met my wife uh, working at the pool at Bellagio in my my younger years, and then you know we kept good contact and and friends, and you know had mutual friends and different things down the road. And then uh, we reconnected several years later, and from there it's history, right? We have great stories and great memories and things like that. But no, uh, the pool was was definitely a great stepping stone. Um, you kind of talking through people that have grown up here in Vegas, you hear a lot of either their kids or even themselves. They did start off at the pool because it was a great paying job. Um, hours are always good. And they were offering hours, right? Every hotel on the strip has a pool and they need a lifeguard, right? And depending on the size of the pools, um, I know that there's you know bigger properties that we have like M- uh, Mandalay Bay needs tons and tons of lifeguards for their big pool. And, pools that they have there in the wave pool and things like that and for uh for Bellagio it was great to kind of start embracing into that high luxury uh service that you know Bellagio is is known for so uh to get that at an early age was very inspiring to me and it was kind of when I went into the work field is what I thought was was normal right and that's kind of what inspired me to continue into the hotel uh, and hospitality industry and really focus. And, and, and the next thing that I moved myself into is went inside and started working in, in the spa and salon. And then kind of then from that, from a career standpoint, and, you know, front desk and front office was just kind of something you had to do and learn. And I was ready to take on the challenge. And, and from there, you know, continued my journey and, and, and it's gotten me here today. So it's been 
uh, an incredible experience to be able to to talk and walk back and tell everyone. I, it's my favorite kind of icebreaker to tell everyone is that I I was born at Bellagio. I, I started there at the pool and, and have gotten gotten to where I am today in our company. It's a pretty impressive ascent. I I love to hear stories like that where somebody just you know climbs the ladder through ambition and and talent and you know really gets where they want to go. It's really impressive. There's so many questions I have for you as somebody who works in a hotel in Vegas. First of all, you know, you must go to dinner parties and people must be like, tell me all your crazy stories. What's the wildest story that you have that you've uh, witnessed during your career? There's there's plenty of good stories that I, I, I probably shouldn't share, but I will tell, you know, <laughs> it's every day is on a dull moment, right? There's There's so many different things that, you know, people uh, think Vegas is okay for and do and, you know, all of those, those things you see on the internet and those things that come through, those, those do happen, you know, and those do, those are there out there in the future. But the ones that I always remember are just those take action moments, right? Those ones where like something bad happens or something, I don't want to say catastrophic because there's, there's been plenty of that in Vegas that we don't, need to go down that road but like example i've i've actually uh, experienced two power outages at bellagio when on new year's eve you know <laughs> talk about people getting ready talk about just like everyone stepping up to the plate to try and be there for our guests and and help kind of the situation and, and the story that i always tell everyone and it was great um i was working at the spa for the second one and the second one the first plan of action is that the casino level is usually typically will continue to run on the back of generators and things like that and obviously elevators and, and the safety you know precautions that are needed but guests are up in the rooms they you know can't get ready for for the biggest night of the year you know especially here in vegas the rates are extremely high and you know everyone's got their plans for the show or the dinner that they've been dreaming of for weeks to go to and at the spa it was great to see my team really just step up to the plate. So what we did is we opened up the spa and salon uh, for later hours and, and in the fitness center and all that area has mirrors all over the entire area. We had our engineering team run in, bring power, as much power as they possibly can into the space. And we have maybe not a hundred, but at least you know, 60 to 70 people in those areas, just at any point of a mirror, just trying to get ready with, you know, blow drying and hair, hair curlers and, and things like that. And just getting ready for this awesome, uh, you know, night that was kind of catastrophic in, a, in our world. So I, I love sharing that story because you just see what our team does when they need to get out of their normal routine to really push forward to help the guests. I had a um, spa receptionist that aren't licensed to do anything, you know, you know, for guests and doing hair and anything. They're not actual um, stylists, and 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 they were jumping up to the plate to help guests with their hair and doing these different things and getting them, you know, different products that they needed, and it, and it was really really inspiring. Wow, that must have been that must have been a crazy night. <laughs> You got the power back on eventually, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, we definitely did. And and just it's tough to, you know, get the resources you need at the last minute on a New Year's Eve night. <laughs> How often do you catch people cheating in the casino? 
It's a good question. That is one of the things that isn't necessarily socialized as much as we would think. Um, you know, our teams and the surveillance teams are really good at what they do. Uh, we do have a a really close connection with our gaming control boards and, and, and with the city and the state. Um, so they do help with a lot of those things. Typically isn't too often that those things happen. Um, and a lot of the time, probably because those ones that are willing to do those things have already been trespassed or evicted and, and kind of weeded away from our, our properties and things like that. But I, I want to say the best I can is that I we don't see that as often as the, the TVs and the movies show us do it, that they do. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's good to, that's good to know. <laughs> you know right? Yeah. <laughs> You seem pretty dedicated to MGM. You spent your entire career there. What is it about the company that makes it so special for you? It's really the the culture and the support and really just the open arms of just change and development and ideas, right? They really give us an avenue to provide better practices. We collaborate really well. Um, you know, I, I really taking that passion from Bellagio, right? That really brand standard and luxury service where it's taking what best practices they do versus any of our other properties, right? You know, what opportunities do they do over there that we can bring to a Bellagio? And I learned that so quickly, especially when I did make that jump to come here at Park MGM and Nomad. And I, I was part of the opening team here for Nomad Las Vegas. Um, which is a boutique hotel located in the Park MGM. It is the top four floors and it's 293 rooms. And what was great is that I was able to bring, you know, a partnership from the Sedell Group, which is the original brand team um, that collaborated with us and bringing the MGM processes and ways to this new beautiful property that we have here, dead center of the strip. So it's really, like I said, it, it's that open support that we have in all levels whether it's up or down everyone's here to do the same thing everyone has the same passion for what you do it's really giving that you know passion back to the guests that we want to make sure that we're here to do the same thing it's just make sure we have a return business come back and make sure every guest comes and leaves happy and I know the the trip we're going to discuss today is mm -hmm. one that very much shapes your approach and your passion for hospitality Back then, I think, if I'm right, you were assistant front desk manager at the Bellagio. What did yep. life look like for you back then? So back then, you know, I, it was my first time going to a 24-hour department. And I did get the opportunity to go to Graveyard. And I was working Graveyard for uh, almost two years and really learning the different ins and outs of the entire hotel and really getting out of the comfort zone of just what I was good at, right? I was good at working at the pool. I was good at working at the spa. But then now the front desk opens the door to the entire property. You learn more about food and beverage. You learn more about and the actual structure of the building and so on and so forth. So at the time, it was kind of, where do I want to steer my career? What do I want to do? This is great where I'm at right now. But is this what I want to continue? Yes or no, right? So at the time, you know, it was really just kind of, you know, I was I was at a younger age where I was open to other opportunities. We were open to career growth, whether it's still in Vegas or not. Um, but mainly it was just 
traveling. It was like, I really wanted to go and go on a really fun, you know, experience and trip and, and see what else is out there and, and really open my eyes to what hospitality and hotel has to offer across the world. Leading into that trip, I was just so open for a spontaneous trip in which, you know, we'll, we'll talk more into, but it, it was just really incredible to kind of go on this ex- experience and this journey of something that there was no plans, there was no focus. It was just, let's go and explore as much as we possibly can. And I know you, you're with your wife at this point for some time, and mm-hmm. it was actually with her family, the trip. And you, you let her grandfather (laughs) figure out all the plans. So tell us a bit about, you know, what the itinerary was and and how you ended up going to the UK. Yeah, so it was great. So he is a retired aeronautical engineer, but he, what he really focused on was the, he focused on engines, you know, for airplanes and things like that. So he traveled all over the world. And what he did was um, he always told us all of these great stories of, how he could just walk into a new town and find, you know, either a, a bed and breakfast or a place to stay or a hotel and just was open arms to everywhere he went. And it was just so inspirational to hear how he could kind of just determine his journey as he had enough time. And when he first told us, it was it was great to talk back. I, just, I said that I could probably only get two weeks off of work. Anything outside of that, I don't know if I can do. And he said, that's just not enough time. You need to figure out how you can get three to four weeks off. And I was just like, all right, we'll stretch something and we'll figure, we'll figure out. So I was able to get about two and a half weeks off for this trip. And, um, and it was a big goal of my wife's and, and, and girlfriend at the time that she wanted to travel one of these trips with her grandfather before she wouldn't be, have that opportunity. So I was very open to the spontaneous trip. And really we just had a, a brief outline of what we really wanted to do, right? We really, you know, we, we flew into London and we really just wanted to get a lot of England and get to, you know, up to Ireland and, and make as far as close as we can up into Scotland and, and then work our way back down. So it was just inspirational to see how he planned this trip day by day, you know, um, and for us to really spread out what we were able to get into, you know, what we were able to accomplish during this trip was, it was, it was great. And it was a lot, right? Every day you're driving 30, 30 minutes, well, a little more than 30 minutes, but an hour to two hours a day and really focusing, okay, where do we want to stay or do we want to keep moving or do we want to keep going and, and so on and so forth. So it really opened my eyes because overall, we just had such a good turnout of meeting such incredible people along the way. Everyone that we encountered with, obviously, Everywhere we stayed, everyone was super nice. Everyone was very gracious and humble and just really gave that, you know, open doors to say, welcome to my home, come on in. And even in London, I mean, we just had so much fun walking through the city and exploring and everyone we ran into asking for directions or so on and so forth. It was just everyone was super kind and genuine and wanted to help us, you know, maybe because we did, you know, our accent wasn't... (laughs) was an American accent. So they wanted to help us out, but it was still, you know, like I said, I, I really um, take passion into we're in your home and they were letting us in the whole time. So kind of what I bring back to my team is that same environment, right? Of These guests are in our home and we want to help them be able to have the best time they can while they're in our home. 
I love to hear that as an English person <laughs> because I think <laughs> my people stereotypically people perceive us to be you know kind yeah. of cold which is not really fair but you know stereotypes are usually rooted in some kind of truth (laughs) but it's nice to hear that you experience like so much warmth and such a nice welcome what other you know cultural things stood out to you while you were there it was kind of funny for for us to go through that you know entire drive right we started in in london and then we worked our way um technically west and we worked our way up towards north into into Ireland and then back up to Scotland. So to hear the the accents kind of change through was really, really fun and eye-opening for us. But I mean, really the biggest the biggest one was, you know, we at the peak of our trip, we made it up into to Scotland and 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 that's where I ended up proposing to my wife. But that night afterwards we made our way back down back into England and it was a little town called Wittenstall, I think is what it was. And there's a little B&B with only six rooms total in it. And we occupied four four of the rooms there. And they were just the most celebratory people that I've ever met. Like we told them, obviously, we're here celebrating. You know, I just proposed to my wife and they brought us in like they were, we were part of their family. They came in, they rolled out the red carpet for us and they really just gave us this incredible experience and you know overall you know it it really the whole the whole experience really was influential to me and my wife that you know years later um not many years two years later we ended up actually getting married in london and that's a that's a whole another story in in itself but um it really brought us back and and we brought 30, 30 of our loved ones um with us to get married in london uh in 2017 so uh, the whole thing really struck uh, a really big piece of our heart and, and made us so excited to go back. During my big road trip, we decided to swing by Las Vegas because my husband has never been, if you can believe it. It was a busy weekend to find accommodation. Let me tell you, Vegas is definitely back. And we ended up staying at a hotel that... Mm, Let's just say it wasn't our first choice. The place we really wanted to stay was Park MGM, and here's a few of the reasons why. Seriously stylish rooms with the European vibe, world-class entertainment at the Dolby Live, including acts like Lady Gaga and Bruno Mars, unique places to eat and drink, like Best Friend from Chef Roy Choi, a Korean barbecue place that's tucked away at the back of a bodega, and the Nomad Bar, where you can settle into a velvet booth and sip a cocktail or three. Oh, and the Park MGM is entirely smoke-free. From the casino floor to the pool deck, you won't see anybody lighting up. So, if Vegas is calling you, and you want a weekend that's full of entertainment and variety and serendipity and luxury, don't compromise like I did. Visit parkmgm.com today to book your stay. That's parkmgm.com for a trip you'll never forget. Yeah, so I guess it's not fair to say that you left all of the planning for this trip to grandpa because you were doing a lot of planning of your own because you were going to propose to your then girlfriend, now wife. Were you were you nervous? What was your ideal scenario for that proposal? So I, I, was, uh, I was very confident and positive at the beginning of the trip. First two days, we, so we flew in and stayed in London for two days. 
And then the next day, uh, where our first day of actual traveling um, was actually my wife's birthday. So I, I did obviously speak with my mother-in-law and, and she knew that I was going to, to propose during this trip. And my, her grandfather and then her uh, aunt and uncle were also on the trip with us. And neither of that, none of them actually knew that I was going to propose on this trip. So uh, long story short, the, the interesting part of it was that I was ready to propose early in the trip, but I wanted to make sure it was meaningful. I wanted to feel like it was the right place. And I really wanted to make sure it was, it was the right moment through the trip. But I, I also didn't know where we were exactly going through the whole trip. So I didn't have the whole uh, itinerary of what would be the best part. So first thing in my mind was, was talking about trying to do it on her birthday. Long story short, that was not the best day. The weather was really cold. It was very windy. Um, we ended up going to Stonehenge, which was beautiful, but it just, the weather really got to us. We got rained out and we were running back back to the cars to, to, get, uh, to get out of the rain. And, and it just was kind of one of those first days of the trip where it didn't go as, as probably planned. Um, so then I kind of went back to the drawing board and, and, and essentially didn't actually proposed to my wife until we got all the way up to Edinburgh, Scotland, which was a little bit more than halfway through the trip. So you can say that my pocket was burning the entire trip. <laughs> <laughs> it was worth it though, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm glad it worked out. I mean, Edinburgh is such an amazing city and the castle is stunning. Tell us the tell us the full proposal story. I love a proposal story. <laughs> <laughs> of course. We traveled from Ireland that day or the day before, excuse me. And then it was a long, so we took the ferry across and then we got into close to Glasgow and then we drove all the way to Edinburgh. So it was really just a really long travel day. So we stayed the night in Edinburgh. We woke up real early in the morning. And when we, when we drove in, I was like, this is incredible. Like, this is a really amazing, beautiful town. And so we were walking, you know, down the streets and getting up to, to the castle because we stayed pretty close to there. I was like, this is, this is, this is the day. This is an incredible. We've seen a lot of, you know, cathedrals and castles and all these historic places throughout England and Ireland. But, you know, there was just something that really stood out by the Edinburgh Castle. So we get there and we walk up, you know, they have a really huge courtyard entering into the castle. And when we, when we walked through, I was like, this is so nice. I was like, kind of then getting my nerves were coming to me. And I was like, all right, let's, you know, let's see if there's somewhere part of, you know, the walkthrough through the castle, if there's something to be really fun, really cool location. Uh, my biggest thing was, is my family was back here in the States. And I was, you know, they knew that I was obviously going to propose while I was there. But I really wanted to capture the moment and get get a picture. So how is I going to coordinate this without her knowing? How is I going to coordinate this with my mother-in-law to see if she can help get a picture? Uh, so we walked through the castle and, and went through. And there was a couple times that we were like, this would be great. All right, this is the time. So then it finally, once we were done with the castle, we were, or it was a little bit before we were done, I made, I set my mind straight and was like, this is where I would love to propose to, to now my wife. And so quick story on to that is I, I handed my mother-in-law, once we got outside of the castle, I handed her my, my GoPro. And at the time, not everyone knew probably GoPros here and there. They were still kind of coming around. And I just 
gave it to her and I turned it on and I turned on the recording and I held it for my mother-in-law. I said, just hold it still. It's okay. I'll be able to edit it later. Just, just hold the camera still and don't move. And so then at that point, me and my wife were standing there, um, you know, kind of simulating a picture. And then, then it was, uh, downhill from there is what I always tell her when she gets so mad when I say that but uh that's where that's where uh you know that moment and I'll never forget that day I'll never forget um that moment and she, the first thing that came out of her mouth was a thousand times yes and it was it was just remarkable and it was a lot of fun and I, I thought you know we felt walking out of there that we were just on cloud nine. Oh, I love that <laughs> that's a really nice story I think like the way that you guys did this trip, kind of playing it by ear and not even relying on cell phones to look up restaurants or hotels, just really kind of figuring it out as you went along is probably unimaginable <laughs> for most people now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in what ways did that spontaneity enrich the experience that you all had? It was great because like even just at the beginning of the trip, right, we, we, we had one hotel booked. And, and that was London. That was right when we got there. This is where home base was for the first two days for us to get acclimated to the time change and, and obviously from all the travel. The second day, we did find, you know, a bed and breakfast pretty quickly, pretty easily. But from there, we were kind of like still wanting to know, is this going to work out? Like, is this going to be okay? Is this going to be fun? And so we woke up that morning and we decided... You know, every morning at breakfast, which everywhere we stayed up, provided breakfast for us, which is unusual for for us here in, in Las Vegas, because, um, you know, that's kind of something different culturally that we don't offer here in the States as often as they do um, overseas. But what we ended up doing on that, that uh, technically the second day of traveling, we started off in Bath and then we made it to Swansea which is in Wales. And at that point we stopped at this place for dinner and they were, we asked like, where should we stay? Where did you recommend? And they recommended us go to this really small town called Mumbles. And Mumbles. That's, Mumbles. A great, that's a great British name. <laughs> yeah. Mumbles. So we got into Mumbles and my grandfather, he told us, he goes, all right, park over here. We're going to go walk into this pub. And we and, and me and my wife were looking. I'm like, we we it's not time to go to a pub already. We got to find a place to stay. Then we can go to the pub. And he says, trust me, it'll be fine. So he walks into the pub, and he orders himself a drink, and he just starts talking to the locals. And and it was you know five or six o'clock in the afternoon. It was after working hours, and he just started talking to two or three people. And next thing you know, we run into the owner of this hotel. That's two blocks down the street. The owner of the hotel walks us all out, gets in our car. We get in the car and drive two or three blocks because it was kind of raining that day. And he gets in the car, takes us down to his hotel, gets us four rooms, takes care of us. And then we went back to the pub right after. And it was just that moment where it was so cool to be able to kind of go through this and just run into people and give us the recommendation on where we should go so i'll never forget that part because that would kind of really just opened our eyes of this trip is going to go in the right direction well grandpa knew exactly what he was doing <laughs> <laughs> it was incredible it was 
it was one of those things that you kind of try to relate back and process of that's how he used to do it before cell phones and and the internet and things like that so for us to kind of be able to experience that that actually still happens these days is was life-changing i'll never forget it yeah and so much of the travel experience is really enhanced by those interactions with with locals and you know the kindness of strangers and it seems like that's exactly what you guys experienced on this trip which is really cool i'm curious to know though as someone who was very much in the world of luxury resorts i'm imagining that these places are like super local bed and breakfast you know nothing plush or fancy so yeah. how did you feel that those experiences were still made special even though it wasn't fancy it really comes down to the service and it really comes down to that you know hospitality and really just that genuine kind of feel and experience that you that you get right we did have some really beautiful places that we stayed at for us coming from vegas it's 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 okay for we want that right we want to get away we want to get into get away from the flashy lights and get away from that you know vegas experience and from the big giant suites and going into kind of this rural area and really traveling the land and seeing these incredible sights and seeds so um for me you know it really comes down to the service and really comes down to you know the attentiveness right it doesn't everything's not going to be perfect but what do you do to recover what do you do to you know be hospitable and really how does that engagement work i mean perfect example of just what we went through is he stopped you know, at his time in the pub to jump in our car and take us over there. I mean, I couldn't even imagine that. I mean, I thought that was the coolest thing that we could ever experience on this trip. I love that. And I know also at the same time, you were figuring out, you know, what's your next step going to be career-wise? How are you going to climb a ladder? What's next for you? How did this trip impact the way that you thought about hospitality or or the sort of skills and knowledge that you brought back with you? Yeah, um, really, I've taken, you know, the passion at, at, you know, big chunk of my career is in in front desk and front office. You know, we have such control and the entire experience from a guest from right when they arrive to the hotel to obviously fixing any challenges anyone could ever go through and that recovery stage, but also just being there as a support structure. So that's what's really given me the drive and, and the, the passion for what I currently do. Because, you know, if there's something that happens in a restaurant, right, the guest is still going to bring it to the front desk. How do we make that experience better for the future? Let's find out where their next location that they're going to dine at or what other layer that we can make sure to bring back this guest to really wow them and make them feel like that they're appreciated and they're not just another guest that walks into the hotel. So to me, especially at the time, you know, I worked at Bellagio, we were almost 4,000 rooms. It's a huge, huge property, but really focusing on how do you bring this small environment, this boutique style service to a big picture, to a big box, big hotel. And so, me in my career leading there to come to Nomad and be a part of that opening team of 300 rooms brought a lot of that service and high-end 
energy from Bellagio to a smaller environment, but also still focusing on what I can, I needed to learn in my career is how do we make these things happen? How do we execute these moments or service challenges and things like that? So uh, for Park MGM and Nomad, you know, at least for Vegas, we're not the biggest hotel on the strip, but we still have that boutique environment and boutique kind of feel, even with the bigger size hotel that we have. The big question, how do you think your life will be different now if you hadn't gone on this trip? I would hope that I would still be in the same career path, but there's there would probably be a chance that I would probably still be at Bellagio, right? Being at that iconic brand and hotel and property that we have, you know, there, there's a lot of passion behind that, right? There's a lot of day one employees that work there. Both my mother and my mother-in-law have both been at Bellagio since they first opened. Ironically, my mother-in-law works there too. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, really what's also opened my eyes is obviously the traveling, right? You know, that was the first thing we did, our first real big trip that I did. I also um, had been to Mexico and, and Canada uh, once before this trip, but it still wasn't the same. So it really just opened that, you know, this is what I want to do for the rest of my career is be in hotels, be in these properties and, and be an ambassador for you know, that guest that comes in and, and either needs guidance or wants guidance or does not, you know, and, and we want to be there for them in any way, shape or form that we can. So to really conclude in, in your question is I, I, I would think that I probably would have found another avenue or given another opportunity to try. And I'm, I'm really glad that I didn't. I'm glad that I kind of stuck it, stuck through and, and continued to push kind of what ultimately our company in, in general MGM Resorts is, is pushing to achieve is, is really just being that entertainment capital of Vegas and, and even for the, for, the, for the states. And we have so much to offer from experiences and, and uh, you know, in different brands and, and, and styles and, and luxury. We just have everything that anyone could be looking for. Oh, Remy. It's been such a treat to hear about your trip and honestly, to get an insider's perspective on Vegas and what really goes on there. <laughs> That's been awesome. Before you go, I'd love to do a quick fire round with you. So we start off with what's the one thing every person should experience in their lifetime? I think just in general and from a travel perspective, you know, I, I know I said that we got married in London, but I really think that that city has so much to offer and so many things to do. And even just riding, you know, the the tourist bus around that entire city is like something I think everyone just needs to do just to bring that kind of culture to them and, and actually just see how beautiful and what it has to offer. So that that's going to be my thing from a travel perspective is that they need to go see London. <laughs> oh, I love that. If you could teleport anywhere for the day, where would you go and what would you do? I am going to say if I could teleport somewhere, I would say I would teleport to Lake Powell, which is a lake that uh, is in between Utah and Arizona. And as a kid, I used to go there every summer with my family and we used to be on a houseboat. So I would put myself in the middle of the lake on a boat 
enjoying the, the sun and the water in Lake Powell. That sounds great. I was just there like a month and a half ago. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so pretty. It's a really cool spot. I love Utah and Arizona. <laughs> What's the one thing you never ever travel without? I always have like a tech bag. I don't really have a bunch of like fancy cameras and different things like that, but I always have my backpack that I just need to have, even if there's really not much in it. If I buy something or whatever, I just need to put a back, put stuff in the backpack. And then I always have a charger for almost everything every time because you never know when something's going to die or whatever it is. So that's usually kind of my thing. I'll say the backpack. What's your favorite hotel? And you can't say the ones where you work. <laughs> Ooh, my favorite hotel. I think it's mainly because I, um, it was a complete surprise trip that my wife planned for me was we went to the surf and sand in Laguna Beach. And she, we woke up in the morning, we jumped in the car, she had my bags, everything packed for me, and we showed up there, and it was just the most breathtaking room that I ever had. It was right there on the water, and we had the, the sliding glass window open the entire time we were in the room. Oh, that sounds so nice. And nice to have a surprise trip somewhere, which someone else yeah. organized for you. <laughs> no stress. <laughs> Name one place that defied all your expectations in a good way. I mean, ultimately, I'm, I'm pretty easily pleased. I'll, what I'll tell you is experience. So we went to um, a Coldplay concert at T-Mobile, and I was really open to just having I mean, great night out with, with my wife and having just an awesome time being able to enjoy their, their concert. And I was absolutely blown away during that show of what they were able to perform. And a, and a quick story is when we went, they gave us all wristbands that, that were choreographed to the show and lit up through the whole thing. And it just blew me away on just the entire experience and expectations I would have ever had for that concert. So I, I, would, I would refer back to an experience on that one. That's cool. I think they did that same thing when the Olympics was hosted in London and it's so visually oh, yeah. amazing. Very it's cool. just breathtaking to like, and everyone stood the whole time and the lights just completely changed and it wasn't, it would just turn on and off. It would go back, you know, depending on the side of the, the room that you were in, it was, it was incredible. What's a true locals tip for Las Vegas? two things for this is feel free to use taxi and Ubers um, because sometimes your ambition of walking from one hotel to the other is a lot farther than you think. And it will definitely take you longer than you expect. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually a good tip. <laughs> I had that experience just recently. So <laughs> it, it happens all the time, all yeah. the time. And, and, and half the time, that's kind of what we try to strive for too is when a guest asks you for you know directions or where's this where's that is really try to give them that insider information of hey if you're planning on walking to this hotel i highly recommend jumping in uber or lyft or rideshare because it's just going to get you there faster but it's also a lot longer than what you what you think it's going to take especially if you're a lady wearing heels mm -hmm. <laughs> nope <laughs> <laughs> What have you been surprised to learn about yourself through traveling? You know, I, I definitely felt that I would, am a spontaneous person and, and am open to just, you know, the seat of the pants decision. But 
especially from this trip is really opened my eyes to know that like there always is a different alternative there's also something to do like i i feel being in the world that i'm in now this trip would have been so scary for me because i hear and see all of the things that happen when people book hotels and go through their front you know their experiences and and travel problems and things like that right in that nature um to me i am surprised how open i am to that because I don't want to experience things that have happened to obviously my guests and 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 know kind of the ins and outs of of the booking pass and things like that. So to me, it was just more being open to kind of be spontaneous on these trips, right? Because you only have this one chance to go to that place, or if you do get an opportunity to go again, you know, and so on and so forth. And finally, what's the next destination on your bucket list? Ooh, that's a good one. We, so before the pandemic, we had a plan for me and my wife to go to, uh, on a cruise to Italy. It started in Barcelona and then it would work its way uh, all the way up to Venice. So that's still on our bucket list that we really want to do. But uh, from a travel perspective, it did open us up. We were able to uh, get a good uh, uh, travel credit provided to us from that trip that got canceled. And uh, we just redeemed it actually, well, most of it we redeemed uh, recently and went and did a cruise through Alaska, which I would have never thought I would have went to Alaska. Not that I would not want to go, but it wasn't high priority on the list. And it was spectacular. It was so beautiful. And we had just such an incredible time. So Italy is definitely the one that's going to be next on our list once uh, international travel gets easier for us. Thank you so much, Remy. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope you liked it. We'll be back in two weeks' time with more inspiring travel stories for your ears. In the meantime, you can learn more about us by visiting fulltimetravel.co or following us on Instagram at full underscore time underscore travel. If you have a story you want to share on the trip that changed me, drop us a line. And please be sure to rate, review and follow so we can keep this adventure going.